Welcome to the Next Up Business Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Camp. This is part two of an interview with Gare Maxwell, a global authority for helping organizations create iconic brands. We discuss strategy and what you need to do for creating brands of distinction to attract your most desirable customers and talent. It's message before medium. Once you get your story straight, it has no expiry date. And you can be the most notorious city forever. Nike built a brand based on three words that have become ubiquitous. Three words. Just and everybody knows. Yeah, everybody knows those words. And I don't think it's any accident that Nike's brand valuation is consistently more than double their top four competitors combined. And Bob, when I ask audiences to say on the count of three, what's what are the first three words you think of? Or the basically, you've only got two to six words to own the market with. You've only got two to six words, so you got to be really clear what those words are going to be. So if I say the Nike example on the count of three, the whole audience responds, "Just do it." Great. Let's do it again on the count of three. What's the first phrase you think of when you hear the word Reebok? <laughs> And it's the sound of crickets. And that's my point. Reebok makes fine products. They make really good products. Not knocking their products. Someone listening today might be, who knows, working for Reebok. My point is they have spent tens of millions of dollars just on marketing. Just in the last decade. And I can't find an audience anywhere in North America or overseas that knows, well, who are they beyond the products? And that's really what brand identities are built on, whether they're the greatest brands in the world, like the ones we mentioned, the Apples, the Nikes, the Disneys, the Ferraris, the Jack Daniels, or the big little legends, Canada's huggable car dealer. (laughs) You know, what a fantastic story that still is spiraling upwards these days and still bringing in all kinds of business because one guy decided he wasn't going to be like all the other car dealers. Instead, he was going to step into his own identity. So Jim Gilbert is a little bit of a Walt Disney meets Santa Claus type character. So you run a used car lot, but not like this one. You've got hundreds of teddy bears and mascots and merry-go-rounds. And there's a two-kilometer nature trail to go walk your dog. Canada's huggable car dealer has a brand message and a voice and a personality nobody else has. And that's played a crucial role in helping him become the largest independent used car dealer in all four Atlantic Canadian provinces because it's all about stepping into the story that only you can tell. Yeah, it's stepping into the story and continuing the story. It's that element of how do you stay top of mind? Well, you have to stay in the story. You've got to continue to build it. Disney's a, another brand example, as you were talking about that, and Santa Claus is a brand example, although nobody owns that. But Disney's a really good one from the standpoint of how do you use a, an organization or a company or an entity find what are those words that, and you nailed it, what are the words that are going to resonate? They mean something, but they aren't just passe. And and from that standpoint, the, the real work has to happen up front because 
That's the strategy, all the research, all the work that gets done up front. Once that's done, to follow the Einstein thing was, you know, if something's going to happen, I want to spend 90% of my time preparing for it. And then the last 10% is actually doing it. It's, and and I'll use the other uh, analogy, Abraham Lincoln. If I've got eight hours to cut down a tree, I'm going to spend seven hours sharpening my axe. And that's really what it is. How do I prepare for that? Because then after that, what I just have to do is follow. We've got it set up. I just need to build on it. And it's not a matter of, because if we don't do that, and, and give me your thoughts on this, if we don't do that, we're just shooting in the dark. Not only are you shooting in the dark, but without disclosing and, and without compromising client confidentiality, mm-hmm. we've just launched an engagement with a company that's been around our country for a long time, and they've got international distribution, and they're in the hundreds of millions of dollars in terms of their overall annual revenues. But my point is this. One of the reasons they reached out to us is because they are now suffering the intense pain and really learning the difference between a campaign and a brand. Big difference. And campaigns tend to have shelf life, mm-hmm. uh, right? They run their course, and then what do you got to do? You got to start all over. We sit back and we say, that's not how Nike did it. Nike figured it out, and then they built equity around that phrase. And I've got a three-word framework for the whole thing in terms of how you do this. It's about whether or not you can discover tell and live your own story if you can first discover it then tell it and to your point bob live it in a way that allows you to stay relevant like a disney or a nike or an apple and i'm not saying these guys are perfect in any way but they've they have proven over a substantial period of time no matter what slip-ups they may have made they've been able to recover, adjust, and stay ahead of the curve relative to their competitive space. Yeah, can you discover, tell, and live your own story? Because when you can do that, you basically have made the competition irrelevant. Because the competition will focus on product, service, feature, advantage, benefit. But in the case of Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, Canada's most notorious city, they can build on that notoriety literally from here till infinity. Could that be, Bob? Could it be? The place where they have the world's biggest moonshine festival. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Moonshine. Exactly. But you get my point. Mm -hmm. And and they've done other things to reinforce their notorious message, right? Because they are notoriously friendly. They're notoriously innovative. They're notoriously welcoming and hospitable. There's... But it really has given the town, the city, it's a small city, it's given them this sense of civic pride and this shared identity that they've never had until these last several years. And it all happened because what did they do? They stepped back into a story that was already there. It was theirs. They owned it. And one of the things we teach, and I was just speaking about it earlier with our friends from West Shore Home, A story not shared has no value. And what I keep seeing is organizations, companies, municipalities, nonprofits, they have great stories, but they're not being told. And and that's a real tragedy. It's like 
going to the grave with your best music still inside you. I say that because you're a musician. And, <laughs> I want to be. And, and, and I, think that's, I think that's a big part of it is that it, in so many ways, when people figure out they can actually tap into the power of their own story, they just might surprise themselves with who else is interested in, 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 in those types of stories. As an example, in every community, there are family-owned businesses that are, you know, first generation, second generation, third generation. And that element of finding your story is connecting. One of the elements is connecting with those generational people, again, to understand who they were, the pioneers of the business, however you want to define it. But there's this other element that when I meet these people is their commitment to the community is a, a valuable part of sharing their story because it's who they are. It's the way they've grown up. It's just in their DNA. And it's not that you're trying to, to boast that your your generosity, what you're really trying to share is your, you know, your love and your, the commitment of your, you, your business to mm -hmm. create jobs, to create a better environment in the community to help out. And, but I think it's one of those things that when you deliver that message in the right way, it not only connects with people, it inspires them. And I think that's one of the elements that we have the opportunity to do all of our businesses to inspire somebody to get them motivated, come in, see us. No question, Bob. And, and what you're speaking to also speaks to one of the slippery slopes I see people getting onto is not fully understanding the definition of a story. If there is no conflict or if there's no drama, there is no story, especially in B2B. Let's use B2B as an example, because B2B seems a little further behind on this than B2C. But in B2B, heavy industrial machinery, think about it, accounting, engineering, think of all these B2B things that they think they don't have a story. I beg to differ. <laughs> and, and, and here's why, is that one of the biggest mistakes, and you'll see it sometimes, I see this all the time because I study websites before every speaking presentation, and I'll even see it, our story. And our story goes, well, in 1925, Joe Biffelstick Sr. founded Joe Biffelstick and Sons. And with one truck, he delivered parsnips and turnips and lettuce to the local area Blah, 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 blah. Then you see in 1952, Joe Biffelstick Jr. took over the company and expanded to a team of 12 employees. And then what do you have? In 1978, Joe Biffelstick third, and maybe his cousin Randy, they created Biffelstick Enterprises, and they have the 100,000-square-foot, you know, state-of-the-art warehouse with factory-trained technicians. That's not a story. That's not a story at all. That's a sequence of events. Yes. That's chronology. That's not a story. People think it is, but it's not. Here's the story. I met this guy in, believe it or not, near Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And the name of the company was Red Stick Armature. Red Stick is the playoff of Baton Rouge. And they repair giant diesel and electromagnetic motors for the petrochemical industry. So petrochemical plants that need these highly specialized motors, Bob, that need that are in need of repair, 
Red Stick Armature would be one of hundreds of companies they would reach out to for that expertise in that Gulf Coast area. Okay? That's, that's what they do. But who are they? And when the CEO invited us in, one of the things we discovered was that Joe Howard's, and Joe was third generation, but Joe Howard's grandfather was asleep in his bunk December 7th, 1941, the day the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. E.C. Howard is asleep while Japanese zeros are overhead dropping bombs and machine gunning U.S. Navy personnel and blowing up battleships and all this mayhem has broken out and Joe's grandfather's in the middle of all this. I said, what? And he keeps telling me the story and I'm just... I'm hanging on my air. I'm hanging on every word to hear this. And so the story of Red Stick Armature as a company can't be told without understanding where did this come from? And as an origin story, it's one of the best I've ever found because E.C. Howard, I think it was about 30 days after the attack on Pearl Harbor, and he's on a ship somewhere in the middle of the Pacific, and his ship is torpedoed. And they were adrift at sea for a few days before he was finally rescued. He served his entire, he, he served it out. The, he went the full ride in the Pacific Theater. And after the war, he goes to San Diego to learn diesel mechanics and all kinds of things related to his profession. Then he comes back to St. Francisville, Louisiana, population 1700. And that's where the company grows to 80 or 90 people. Bob doing all the things that a responsible company could do. But what are the values that E.C. Howard learned in the Pacific Theater? Service before self. Loyalty. Hard work. Sacrifice. And when you see that all captured on a YouTube video with dramatic reenactments, and you see his grandson... And maybe this will make the point, Bob, because you can go back. Anyone can watch it. When you see his grandson on video telling that story, but he's got the memorial of the USS Arizona behind him, how much more powerful is that? You see, it's not enough to be heard. You have to be believed. What's more believable than Joe Howard talking about his grandfather? while he's actually shooting shooting this video at Pearl Harbor. I think the number was 4,128 miles from St. Francisville to Pearl Harbor. But Joe Howard went that far to tell that story. That's I, I think about that on so many different levels. It, it's you know, To your point, only he can tell that story or only someone in his family can tell that story. And, and then right. there's this, this element that when we talk... You know, when I talk with business owners and executives, I don't see them using all their assets or what's available yeah. to them. Because sometimes they have a great story, but then they don't go out and actually, to your point, they don't tell it to anyone. Or if they tell it to someone, they just get in front of a camera and tell it. Build build it up. Do what you need to do to bring the emotional content into context, so to speak. And going there to be in front of the USS Arizona as the backdrop just adds this element and 
it's one of those things that I think as business owners, we we have to think about every, practically every business owner I've worked with throughout my career care about three things, right? One is taking care of their customers, taking care of their mm-hmm. employees, and keeping the bank off their back. And if you take care of the first two, the third usually happens. But we don't leverage those things. And I, I always love it. You find that executive who started the business or is a son of, or daughter of the business owner. They went out and built the business to the next level. They went out and did the hard work. They went out and sold when they weren't comfortable doing that. Or if they were natural about it, or if it is, they loved doing it. They went out and did the work that other people didn't want to do. But it seems like when we get to this, and I've heard you call it the digital footprint, when it comes to this digital world, why are we so reticent in, in, in going out and, one, finding out what it's all about, and two, embracing is that this really is a game changer. Yeah, I mean, it's a game changer in so many ways. I think you just actually nailed it, Bob. It's funny, and we didn't rehearse this. You and I are just freestyling, right? and it's been great to catch up, but you just nailed it. Like In my experience as well, CEOs tend to focus on two things, money and people problems. So when you say the bank or their you know, that, or their people, that's, it's money and people problems. And how do I make the problems go away? Mm -hmm. And that's basically it. And in my view, CEOs and business leaders need to be focused on vision. Where's this thing going? Okay. Not the company of today, but it's the company of tomorrow and five years down the road. They need to be focused on vision, developing talent, and creating cultural alignment. That's what I see is is what West Shore Home is doing a great job of right now. They clearly, they're on a mission, Bob, to become America's most admired home improvement company. And they're developing internal language and stories that speak to that. So now it's not just kitchens, bathrooms, doors, and windows. It's something much more. You talk about the internal language and, and how critical and important that is. Whether you look at the big companies like Chick-fil-A and because people always rave about their customer service, or whether you like their products or not, but the customer service is always consistent, you know, consistently high. And I think about Steve Jobs when he came out and said, think different or think differently, whatever the word was. But it was as much a an internal message as it was an external message. And I think that is one of the key elements is it's got to be, it, it, like you said, you got to live it. It needs to be ingrained into your culture. And I'm with where are we going and how do we align our people and build the culture that is critical to our success. And it's going to be different for different companies, but it needs to be consistent and it needs to be one that people want to be in or the kind of people that you need and one in your company need to be in. Yeah, and I think the strategic flip before we wrap up is this. Companies now, it doesn't matter whether in diesel mechanics or hydraulics, B2B, B2C, that's irrelevant. You're a media company first, and you're a fill-in-the-blank company second. You're a media company. You no longer need the intermediary. You no longer need third-party gatekeepers. You are the media, and you are producing your own content. 
that's what you do. We've got, I could fill you with so many stories of clients who are doing this, and the more they do it, guess what's happening, Bob? They're expanding that digital footprint, and they're getting known throughout the Internet as being something more than just the product or service they sell, which to me is the whole idea. If you're looking at who's best in the world, I would say it's Red Bull. Red Bull is a full-fledged media company that happens to sell an energy drink. That's Red Bull. We've worked with many people that are following the same philosophy, many big little legends that are gaining all kinds of traction and some enjoying record results because they publish and create their own media, not ads. They're telling stories. And those stories are connecting with people. We've got this uh, car dealership in Calgary, Alberta, that became Alberta's celebration destination. And every day, with a Facebook video, they do stories of celebration. It could be the 50th anniversary of the moon landing or the Beatles rooftop concert uh, at, at Abbey Road or it's uh, National Hot Dog Day or National Dog Day or One Hit One, whatever the day is. And they've got the matching cakes and cupcakes to go with Marlon Brando's birthday. You got to picture that, Bob. If, <laughs> if they're celebrating Marlon Brando's birthday, there's going to be a big Godfather cake because they would have an offer that you just can't refuse. As you see the point. Yeah. Out of 120 car dealerships in Calgary, everybody else is talking about their cars. 0.9% financing, hurry on down, best deals in town. Alberta's celebration destination, they're bringing in Garth Brooks and the anniversary of No Fences, or we're celebrating the anniversary of when the Calgary Flames relocated from Atlanta. Because deep down, we do this by design, is you got to speak to something intrinsically that a human will connect with, any human. And, and I figure as long as people have cakes, cup, like birthdays with cakes and candles and people's sing songs, I think celebration is something that, uh, yeah, a lot of humans will resonate with probably for centuries. You know, that's such an important point. It's got to be something that's already inherent and core to you and who you are, the culture of your Bingo. business. Because I've seen that in my own career. I worked for a company and the branch manager you know, took everybody out and every Friday grilled. And it was absolutely great. His heart was in it and everything. And then the next person come in and they figured they needed to keep it up. But their heart wasn't in it. And it just fell apart. It just, it, it you got to build from that internal. You got to do the research. You got to, and through that research, you find something to be thrilled about. I think that's a part of it too. Yeah, and in the case of the story I just mentioned, Charles Glenn Toyota, Alberta celebration destination, Tim Beach was already that raw, uplifting guy. He right. was, a, yeah, he's the guy, Bob, that would gather. It might not be you or I, but it was him that would say, hey, let's get the gang together and go down to the bar and watch the big game on the big screen. He's like his own one-man party planning committee. That's Tim. Always sees the good in people. So he's very raw would be his spirit. Celebration then made sense. Yes. In terms of where, what can we explore? Just like Notorious made sense for Moose Jaw. Just like Game Day made sense for David Rubenstein, our attorney in Chicago. You got to find something universally appealing 
in terms of core values that it wouldn't matter if you were 8 or 88. You could somehow tap into that. Well, Gary, it's been amazing having you on today. And in closing, I just want everyone out there to walk away with a couple things. And from my perspective, it's this element of the work up front, right? The discovery, to develop a strategy, to, you know, follow through on that. And, and you talked about the other three things. I loved it. Discovery, tell, and live. And from that point, I think it's this, it's the work that has to be done. And so I was going to ask you, is there any one piece of advice or any takeaway that you think you want people to have as, as we close this up today? Yeah, that's a great question, Bob. I, I think it would be this. You can't read the label when you're inside the bottle. Can't be done. So, for instance, I'm inside my own bottle and so are you. We're right. But so if you're in the car dealership and that's a great example to close off of, because think of the bottle that they're in the car business. Why does everyone advertise in the car business the same way? Well, if you look at the big bottles, they're all stuck in. All, don't all the glass buildings look the same, Bob? You could swap the logos and you can't tell the difference, but they're all with respect. They're all inside the bottle. And in the case of Tim Beach, he reached out and said, hey, I can't see this anymore because I'm stuck inside and all I speak and think about is category language. So it doesn't matter whether it's legal, industrial, clerical, it doesn't matter. Every industry has its own category language. So when you bring in a fresh set of eyes from the outside, they don't see it the same way you do because you're inside the bottle. And I can speak to this because I'm inside my own bottle. Big Little Legends conceptually came about because I reached out to a trusted friend and say, and said, I can't see this anymore the way I need to see it. And then it was at Torrey Pines outside San Diego where Tiger Woods had that dramatic finish in 2008. And, and my friend, Clay Bear sat in the back of the room and watched my presentation. And it was only afterwards that he, he said, he says, I'll never forget it. He says, you're a brand historian. He says, I think legends is your word. And as soon as he said that, I knew he was right because I'm a history nerd. I'm a history nerd, Bob. I don't know if you knew that, but I just geek out on Ken Burns and all those documentaries and the Civil War and, you know, military history. And right now I'm into the Reformation and Martin Luther and how Gutenberg changed the world. And I'll have my, I was on an Einstein kick for a while. 1905 is when he wrote those four great papers that totally changed how the community of physics thought about it, but they didn't give him the Nobel prize till 1922 or something. So my point is that as a little kid, I'm eight, nine, ten years old reading big, thick books about generals and admirals and campaigns. But I would never have discovered that legends was really my word with its roots in history without that observation, that that idea that, again, you can't read the label when you're inside the bottle. That's such an important point. When we started off, I talked about ice haulers, and there are no ice haulers that we remember. 
No. Nor ice makers. No. no. Uh, right. And even the first PC, the first personal coolers, even the Frigidaire name is now fading into because there isn't this piece. And I, I love what you, you said. And I was going to ask that earlier. It was in my notes, actually. How'd you come up with legends, leaders and legends, how those words come up? And that was a great example. Garrett? Yeah. And, and you know, like I said, I could talk, I can literally talk about this topic for hours because I really believe the answers to what we seek most in our future are often why they often lie buried in our past. If you can just reach back and, and dig that out again, I think that helps really set the table for a prosperous and 